truly, that whole psalm is fulfilled by Christ. That's the only reason why we can declare that. And also, I hope I encourage you to pray. I hope you're praying with someone. Find someone to pray with every day. And lastly, I want to encourage you to be praying that you can give the word to someone. Give the gospel. For truly, that's what this world needs is the gospel. That's what your neighbor needs. That's what all of you need. That's what the stranger needs is the gospel, not your opinions, the gospel. So pray about that. See how God promotes and provides a divine opportunity, whether that be through texting, phone calls, whatever it may be. Just keep praying. Say, Lord, keep my eyes open. Let's go now to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Uh, you know, there's just a lot going on in our world. There's a lot of, a lot of unease everywhere. With, with everything. God, right now we just ask that you bless us so that we can be at ease, so that we can be at peace, so that we can have our hearts and minds calmed by your grace to know that your sovereign hand is at work even amongst all this, that you have not abandoned us, you haven't abandoned this earth, though you should have, but you have not. Help us, Lord, to remember that you love us. God, we ask right now too that with all those churches all, all over there in Ukraine and Russia and really all over the world that are running into issues from the government, running into wars where people are having to meet underground in, in small houses that are literally going amongst the night trying to meet together and gather in your name, Lord. We pray for them, for we're in this together. They are our brothers and sisters. With all the missionaries that are going about in the world, declaring your word, Lord, we pray for encouragement to be placed upon them. We pray for all the churches here in America that's meeting. Lord, it's such a wonderful thought to know that your church is meeting. And that the gates of hell won't stop it. Lord, be with us today as we come before you. Convict us of our sins, Lord. We're so good at justifying our sins, but such, such great, great judges of others rather than ourselves. Help us, Lord, to just lay them down at the cross to know that we have been completely forgiven by you. Help us to remember that you love us. You love sinners. And then, Lord... Fill us with hope, love, and peace so we can consistently live, live out the faith before you and before others that our lives will constantly point to Jesus alone. Amen. One of the wonders, you know, as I say much of the gospel, is that it's all about what Jesus did for you and me. You know, it's a message that says Jesus truly did everything. He thought of everything. He accomplished everything. And he is the one who empowers everything through faith in him alone. As you and I live upon this earth amongst all the muck and the mire and the pain and destruction and surrounded by evil and sin, even struggling with our own sins, struggling with our own bodies breaking down, struggling with the awkward relationships in our life, struggling with our jobs and struggling with our life situations and circumstances. 
You know, the gospel says, hey, don't be overcome by such things. Because there is true hope for you. And his name is Jesus. For Jesus Christ, by faith in him, is your God. And he loves you. And he's working all things for your good in him. Yeah, even, even those most wretched things that strike you in the middle of the night out of nowhere, you know, that, make your, that makes your mind race a bit in the middle of the night, you can't sleep. You know, even those moments where you mess up hard, and I'm talking hard, the stuff you don't want to talk about, you try not to speak on, the stuff you kind of hope to bury in the back of your brain with lock and key. You know, the gospel of God's grace, the message says, don't get caught up in those things, but rather be caught up in and by faith in Christ. Know that God's favor is upon you through faith in Him. The Almighty God of the universe is on your side, and He's fighting for you. He's always there directing your life for good in Him even your stumbles and fumbles. His hand is over all of those things too, not just the kind of good things we do, even the bad stuff. You know, He's going to work it all out in your favor in Him in this world. I mean, Christ died for you. Well, that's nothing to say taken lightly. He died for you. He died for all of your hate. He died for all of your envy. He died for all of your lust. He died for all of your selfishness. He died for all of your cowardness. He died for your faithlessness to God and His ways. He died for your detestable deeds and emotions and thoughts. He died for your pervertedness. He died for all your sexual immorality. He died for your idolatry. He died for all of your lies. He died for all of your racism. He died for all of your self-righteousness, your laziness. He died for all those times you didn't love your neighbor. Or if you did, you didn't love him as much as you should have. He died for all of those times you weren't patient. He died for all of those times that you looked away and purposely ignored doing or saying the right thing to those around you because you didn't care or because your pride would get hurt if you did. He died for all those times that you judged people inaccurately or simply because you didn't like them because they didn't fit your selfish and self-centered standards and irrational expectations. He even died for all those inconceivable sins that you have committed that those closest to you would not believe that you did or thought in your heart. He died to save you. He died for you fully as an individual so you can be free in this world from the power of sin and death over your life free from being caught up in in this world's sinful ways, or put more bluntly and kind of contextual here, free from being obsessed about winning an argument with people about things that mean nothing ultimately, 
free from reestablishing your place amongst people so that they can give you the respect you think you deserve. Free from trying to make it in this world so you can prove that you're a success because someone said you never would be. Free from looking to people to validate who you are so you can be at peace with yourself because you're trying to get people to think well of you so you can feel secure. Or the very opposite. Free from trying to constantly protect yourself from people by living in isolation from people. Or just having kind of like a surface level interaction and not letting people get too close because you're afraid of them judging you. Or worse, you don't let them get close because you have already judged them without even knowing them really. But you have judged them hard because they are just too sinful of a people or person really to invest your time in. See, as we focus on the gospel, it is meant to free you, free us from such worldly traps. For when we look to Jesus, we have all we need in this world by faith in Him alone. He is the one who gives you all the respect you're looking for, all of the protection that you need, all of the validation, all of the security, all of the purpose, even the very rescue that you're longing for in your life. He is the one that gives you all the meaning that you need in this life so that you can truly Live freely in this world. So when you look to Him alone for such things, it consequently, I've been using that word a lot lately, consequently enables you to give yourself away and to invest in people around you even if they do the very opposite of that to you. For Christ is your everything now by faith in Him. And He gives and He gives and He gives to you. Never being an ending source of blessings for you. So that you don't have to slavishly live trying to get or obtain or protect yourself from others in this world. When you focus on how much He has given you and has already done for you you become enabled to consequently give generously of yourself to all, even those who don't deserve it. You become enabled and consequently able to commit yourself to the Lord and end up doing good for others even when they don't deserve it and they reject you for it. You are enabled and consequently become willing to be patiently waiting for the Lord to accomplish His work through you, even if you are not seemingly seeing prosperity or prospering in the moment. And the one who is seemingly prospering is the one doing evil. You are enabled to wait with joy and hope in the Lord. As you look to Christ and His finished work on your behalf, you will consequently have a peace to know that in the end, it's all going to be okay. For your eternal destination is set. Set to be with the Lord for eternity. Because all, because you have the unconditional love and favor 
upon you by Christ alone. Because of his performance before God and not your own. See, the good news, the good news is good news. And we are called to keep focus on it by faith in Christ at all times. To keep our eyes upon Jesus, fully trusting in Him alone for all things in this life and the next. And not get entangled or ensnared by this sinful world or even our own sins. But as I've, as I've had said much, that is where the battle is that we face every day. The battle of placing our faith in Christ more and more and faith in ourselves or other things less and less every day. For we are wired to think that our life and this life is dependent upon us rather than Jesus. We say Christ is over all and he's in all. But yet we still have these moments and these times and those places where rather than seeing the magnificent work of Christ on our behalf, seeing His blood, sweat, and tears, we end up trying to do it all on our own, by our own blood, sweat, and tears. And sadly, we just fall right into sin. So the question comes then, how then are we to overcome such a self-centered, vain empowerment view of our lives? How are we to be fueled by faith in Christ instead of and, and end up following after his ways rather than following our own. And Paul's going to go over that today in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. Today's title is Christ, Giver of Gifts. So, for our context, Paul has just finished saying that Christ has done it all for us, that Christ has beat this world and all the worldly powers. He has taken all the spoils and given them to his people, his church. He's giving wonderful gifts so they can be one people in the Lord. Spiritual gifts. Each person, as Paul said, in verses 7 and 8, has a spiritual gift, a gift to be used to the benefit of the body in Christ for the glory of the Lord. So if you have faith in Christ, guess what? You have one. No and if buts about it. You have a gift, a spiritual gift. For Christ did not die in vain, and nothing can stop his hand from giving his gifts to his people to bless them and the people around them. For King Jesus is a gracious king who gives immeasurably to all. For he loves his people dearly, even if they don't love him to the same extent. He still loves us anyways, and that concept absolutely blows my mind. It, like, it humbles me and breaks me down. His grace goes beyond comprehension of what my feeble mind can take. I mean, there is no limit to his love. There's no ceiling. There's no cap to how gracious he is with us. Even though there is a cap that we have amongst each other. But anyways, with Paul speaking of the special gifts, right, that he'd given his people in verses 7 and 8, that he gave to everybody who has faith in him, in verse 11, he continues to speak of Christ's gifts to the church, but he speaks of additional gifts given by Christ to his people. In verse 11, he states, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. So did you catch what Christ gave or has given? 
or what Paul has said that he has given, that what has been given to us by our Lord. Paul says Christ not only gives all of us special gifts, but Christ has also given gifted people to his church body. And this brings us to our first point. Christ gives gifted people. Simple enough. Paul says, you know, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, Christ has given such people to his church who fulfill such roles. The emphasis is on the people, the persons. And these role and the, those and, and these roles that these gifted people fulfill are distinct from each other from the most part, but the one thing they all have in common is that the sole focus is on making much of, championing, advocating, promoting Christ and His gospel of grace, promoting His Word. Christ has crafted certain people to be and do such things amongst His people. So we're going to take a quick look at, to kind of see who these kind of people are. Now when Paul here speaks of the first two gifted groups of people, the apostles, the prophets... It's important to note that he's speaking of, again, gifted people. And Paul has already stated the people. He has defined who those people, those gifted people are in chapter 2, verse 20. They are the very gifted people who built the foundation of the faith in which we all now stand upon. Christ being the cornerstone. It says in chapter 2, verse 20, being built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. The apostles were those gifted people who, like Paul and Peter, saw the risen Christ and were commissioned by him to authoritatively establish the foundations of the faith which we all now have and are blessed by. And the prophets, though we don't have much on them like we do the apostles, just you kind of we have a little bit there. You can read about a guy named Agabus In chapter 11, verse 28 of Acts, and chapter 21, verses 10 through 11 of Acts. But whatever these prophets did, the prophets at that time, they were there to speak authoritatively, to establish the foundation to be built upon which we are now blessed from. And from these two gifted groups of people, there were, they were, there, there were gifts that, that were gifts to the church. Why? Because we now have the complete foundation and revelation from the Lord. We have the New Testament, which points to the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no new revelation or new teaching to be added or taken away. And truly, what a blessing it is to have God's word at our hand, and we're not just left in the dark. So with both the the apostles and the prophets who had direct revelation from God to build the foundation in which we all now stand upon, this foundation was laid down to be built upon and to continue to be built upon. We are His body. So Christ gave even more gifted people to continue to build upon it. He gave the evangelists and He gave the shepherds And teachers, the evangelists are those people who God gave and uses 
that are built in such a way to spread the gospel to new places. They bring good news to cultures and ethnicities and, and just people of all types. I mean, I guess you could think of them like modern-day missionaries. I mean, even though that's not necessarily stated here, but whatever the case be, these people are gifts to the church in that they are always finding and proclaiming the gospel in whatever context of life, wherever they go. It just happens naturally. It's not forced. And lastly, he then gave the shepherds and teachers. Shepherds are, are pastors in the New Testament. And the way it's constructed here in the Greek could be seen as the pastor-teacher. Notice there's no the before teacher. right? The shepherd and teacher. Just. So the question would be, is it two groups of people, gifted people, or one group? I mean, you could also theoretically see it as Paul saying, all pastors are teachers, but not all teachers are pastors. So what do I think? I think it's one, maybe two, maybe I go back and forth, I don't know. <laughs> but the main thing is, whatever, if it's one or two, however you want to go about it, all the persons given as gifts in this passage, all of these people were given for the same purpose. Ephesians says in chapter 4, verse 12, given to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And this brings us to our second point. Gifted people focus on the giver. As I said before, these people that were given as gifts to the church were given for the primary purpose of making much of Christ and his gospel to the church at large and to the local church. The gifted people are gifted in speaking of and pointing to and focusing on the one who gave them and to have all others look to and depend upon Jesus Christ for everything. Now you might say, wait a minute, John. This passage says to equip the saints for the work of ministry. It says here for the building up of the body of Christ. I saw nothing of making much of Christ in this, in this specific text. And my friend, you may be right. You, you're right in some sense. Because the text speaks directly to the reality that you are to do the ministry. I do ministry as a pastor, but I'm not the only one that does it. You are to do the ministry within this church amongst each other. And within the context of your life. You are to love the brethren around you. You are to minister to those around you with whatever gifting or ability or resources that you have. You are to counsel each other. You are to go and pray with each other. Uplift each other. Be there for each other in the middle of the night. You are to be involved in all the ministries that are provided here, for example, that we offer at the church so that we can minister to each other. All those things you see in the bulletin. All the things that are currently going on right now. Children's ministry, for example. You are to do the ministry. 
See? <laughs> this passage for our context within this church right now, okay, we'll go like right now, we'll be like real time. The pastor, the ministry team, the deacons are not the only ones called to do the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is also for you all. We're all in this together. We're all doing ministry together. And what this means is that you are called to serve each other. It is this mindset that you are called to have at all the time and always be ready to look for and to act on. And this text In the text, it says, for the work of ministry. Paul is saying that the ministry here is of various kinds. You are called to serve in all types of various ways, which really kind of elevates on what you're called to do. It's not just one type of service that maybe you're good at, but all types. Your life now is one that is full of ministry wherever you go and in whatever you do. You are to do the work of the ministry. All of you are called to serve, as Paul says in this text, in building the body of Christ. So the church at large and the local church, this church is being built up, being actively built up by not just me, but also you. We all have a responsibility in this. Kind of gives a whole new perspective of church, right? I mean, going to church is not just going to church, but going to church to serve or looking for ways to serve each other. And when you leave the church, you're not just leaving the church, but you are also looking forward to serving those around you who don't know Christ and to, and to serve other church members. All for the work of the ministry when you leave. There's no boundary to what this text says. For Paul is saying the truth here that all of you are to be involved in ministering to each other because building up of Christ is not a static thing. It's a really dynamic way of investing into each other and serving each other. So if that seems like a lot and a huge responsibility, it should. It should peg you into a corner and make this question spring up. How am I supposed to do all this? How, for you're a sinner, I'm a sinner. How are we to have a ministry, the service mindset to the Christian next to you you've just kind of looked at right now and been like, oh, this is awkward. Right? How are you to have this openness and serving and giving yourself away to them for their benefit over your own? What about those who are not believers? In your life. How are you to minister to those people that are so bluntly offensive? Or even worse, how are you to do ministry within your own family when you're constantly getting into arguments about dumb things? Or or seem to make small things into a major drama? 
How are we to have the strength and wisdom and insight to do such ministry with our life? How are we to have our hearts to be open to want to serve God's people? How on earth are we to think like that when we have a hard enough time just trying to show up to church on time? By the way, I'm glad you're here. Even if you come late, praise God you're here. I'd rather have you here than somewhere else. It's a good thing. Never a bad thing. How on earth can we be up for such a task? Well, that's where, for example, I come in as your shepherd. Your pastor. For the text says, I am to equip you for such a thing. Remember? But how on earth am I supposed to equip you? Well, as I said before, I'm given to you as your pastor to speak of and point to and focus on the one who gave me to you. I am called to have you all look to and depend upon Jesus for everything and no one else. And this brings us to our third and last point. The gifted equip others to focus on the giver. My call, as with all of these in this list, is to make much of Christ and His Word, which all points to His gospel of grace over you. Not to point you to stories, as entertaining and interesting that may be. Not to point you and speak about politics, as much as that may seem to be work out in your favor, it never does. Or point to some social issues of the time. Those change all the time. I'm here to make much of Christ. To tell you over and over and over again how it's now all finished for you in Christ. To preach Christ and Him crucified for you on your behalf through faith in Him. To remind you that if you have faith in Christ, it is truly finished in Him. For God will supply everything you need to be blessed by Him and to be a blessing to His people. And to bless people who don't know Him through you, even if you keep messing up along the way. See, to do the work of the Lord, to do the very things He has commanded us to do in Scripture, does not come from me demanding it for you to do it, or holding it over and guilting you into it. All that's going to do is make you angry with me and angry with everyone else that you come in contact with. Or maybe you end up doing it and then you'll be miserable. Like, I'm so happy for you and Jesus. (laughs) Or worse, you'll fall into some self-righteousness. Well, look what I'm doing. Why aren't you? I'm here to equip you for the work of the ministry. And the way I do that is to make much of His grace in your life so that your heart will be gripped by His grace and you want to serve Him and serve others. To serve not out of need, not out of duty, not out of fear or even guilt, but simply out of the gratitude for for what has been done for you in Jesus Christ. 
you serve each other because you can't help it. For you want to serve because you know what has been done for you in Jesus. That you have been given much and you're blessed in Him so much that you cannot help but want to bless others and uplift others in His name by serving them. Because your heart has been gripped by His grace. I mean, think of it this way. How on earth is it possible for me, or really anyone, to equip you for the work of the ministry in all situations that you're in? I mean, I could never do that. I'm not with you all the time in all the situations that you face. Things pop up all the time in your life, and you have to make an instant choice right then and there on the spot of how to do ministry. But I can equip you by reminding you and engraving into your brain that there is one who is with you and has done it all for you and has all the power to enable you to get through and act however you need to be and minister to the person or situation that you are in. I am here to remind you that Christ has done it all for you so that you can trust in Him and Him alone and be confident that it's going to work out well for you even if you can't see it to remind you that you now have His promise that He'll never leave you nor forsake you. See, the way I equip you for the work of the ministry is to have you come into a deeper and deeper understanding of the gospel of God's grace over your life now through the teaching of His Word, which points all to the gospel to remind you of how free you are now in Christ. And by that, then, you will consequently be enabled to do the work of the ministry in your life and in all situations, all by His power all to His glory alone. Psalm 68.35 says this, right? Because that's the psalm that Paul has been pointing to. Psalm 68.35. Awesome is God from His sanctuary, the God of Israel. He is the one who gives power and strength to his people. Blessed be God. Let us go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your gospel. For truly, we are great sinners, but you are a greater Savior. Help us, Lord, to be a people who, who have their hearts melted by what your Son has accomplished, by what you gave to us, the gift of you. The gift of being eternally with you. God, may that be the empowerment of our lives to live out your call upon us. You are the river of life. A never-ending stream. A never-ending fountain that just overflows, Lord. And I pray that, that that love and grace and kindness and patience that you have with us just overflows into those around us. The service that you did for us through Jesus Christ and are still doing now just overflows into us as we interact with each other and people in this world. 
And God, I pray if someone doesn't know you here today, that they could understand that you sent your son to die for them, to serve them, to uplift them, to be changed by him, to secure them in your love and favor and joy, and that, they, that their sins can be forgiven, all past, present, and future. I pray today they give their lives over to you. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. For truly, it says we can't do it on our own, but through Christ we can do all things. In Jesus' name, amen.